Uh, good to have uh, you all with us. Those of you uh, joining us online, we're glad uh, to have you uh, joining us as well. Uh, we're continuing on in our uh, sermon series, believe it or not. We're uh, kind of uh, knocking on the door of uh, Easter celebration, April April 4th this year. And so uh, we're excited to kind of be gearing up for that. We'll be doing two services, uh, just like we have been um, uh, those of you kind of trying to figure out what service you want to attend, certainly the nine o'clock is uh, a lot more sparse than, than this service. So if you're looking for kind of a smaller crowd, uh, I would encourage you to uh, check out nine o'clock uh, and, uh, and join, join some people there. Uh, we're, we're glad that you're here. Let's pray and then we'll get into this, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and uh, uh, for everybody uh, here this morning or, or online that feels like they are looking at uh, an impossible circumstance, an impossible situation. Uh, we are here this morning uh, to uh, express our gratitude that you are a God who specializes in impossible and uh, you have a plan and purpose for our life. So we thank you again for Jesus who demonstrates that most of all. It is in his name we pray, amen. A little girl uh, was in her class and she was learning about whales and uh, the teacher trying to do her best to teach said that it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. Uh, even though the whale is a really large mammal, its throat is very small. Little girl raises her hand in the back and says, how can that possibly be? Uh, I learned in Sunday school about Jonah and he was swallowed by a whale. And the teacher just insisted uh, that her teaching was correct and that a whale could never swallow a human being. It's physically impossible. And the little girl just kind of undaunted said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah about that. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? And the little girl without missing a beat said, then you ask him. Um, <laughs> right? As you, as you read through the Bible, um, as you read through the Bible, God specializes, often God specializes in the impossible. Uh, he just does. A whale swallows up a man uh, living in disobedience. A donkey talks. A virgin gives birth to the son of man. Uh, uh, the son of man is resurrected three days after he's killed. It seems impossible and God specializes in the impossible. And these stories are fun to read. Uh, they are less fun to experience. To be honest, it's just harder when you're living it, right? When you're facing impossible odds yourself, when you're facing impossible circumstances, when you're waiting to see how your story is gonna unfold, how God will specialize in your situation, how God is gonna bring the impossible to you, it's a lot harder. Here's another way to say it. It's fun to read about Jonah. It's a lot harder to be Jonah, right? It's fun to read about the miracle. It's a lot harder to be in need of a miracle. Uh, it's fun to watch the impossible unfold. It's harder to need the impossible to happen for you. And it's often in the, in the space of this gap that we've been talking about for about a month now, it's in the space of the gap in, in the story of Abraham, Genesis 18 is where we're going to be today. It's in this gap when we often feel that the circumstances we're facing are, are mo most impossible. And just to kind of redefine what I mean by gap, it's the gap between where we feel God is leading us, what God has promised us, how God is moving in our life, the gap between that and, and our current circumstances, and this has never been more true than the situation with Abraham and Sarah. Remember, God comes to Abraham with a call, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. And accompanied with that call are promises. I will make your name great. I will be a blessing to you. You're, you're, uh, I will build a nation through you. And that nation will be a blessing to the entire world. And there is a gap in that moment, in particular with their infertility. 
that God has promised to build a nation. They don't have children, and I've never been a nation builder, but you need people, right? And uh, they, they have no heirs, they have no son, they don't know what they're going to do. And the interesting thing is that there have been a number of the promises that God has already promised them that have come true. He promised them they would inhabit, inhabit the land, they inhabit the land. He's promised them blessing, and Abraham has gotten really, really blessed, in particular financially. Uh, he, he's promised all of these things to them, uh, and, and by and large, they've come through. But this one area, it's been difficult. They don't see how God, they're getting, the Bible's word for it is old and well-advanced in years, right? They're getting older, they're past childbearing age, and they're beginning to wonder how God is going to build a nation through them uh, when they have no children. And isn't it true? That is just the place that our mind goes to sometimes, that we feel God is leading us, we feel God is calling us, and all of these other blessings have come true, but we tend to focus on the one area that hasn't happened yet. I remember uh, with our own struggles with infertility, our own struggle uh, with having children, I remember one day I was just having a major, major pity party about how difficult this had to be, and I remembered, man, I have a marriage that's really, really good. I have a church that I really, really love and a church that loves me. I have a beagle that, honestly, the beagle's been a problem, but, um, you know, um, not the best example, but we have a home that we love. And all of these blessings have come into our life, but I'm focused on like the one thing that hasn't happened yet. And I think it happens to us all the time and it, it, we're really susceptible to it in the gap. <laughs> when, when we feel there's a gap that God, I know you're calling me to this, why hasn't it happened yet? God, the career, the family, the, the marriage, the whatever, I feel you're calling me to this, but there's a gap between that uh, and my current situation. We tend to focus on the one area where, where that's true when God has shown up in a whole lot of, other areas, and, and that really is the truth of it. In the gap, we're susceptible to discouragement. Uh, we're susceptible to lack of faith. We're susceptible to a lot of things. You know what else happens in the gap? I don't know why I'm pointing at you. know what happens? No. Sorry, a little aggressive. You know what else happens in the gap? God shows up in the gap. Right? The greatest gap in human history is the gap between our sinfulness and our holy and righteous God. And God saw that gap, and the way that he dealt with that gap was by showing up. He sent his son, his son Jesus to die for us and to redeem us and to forgive our sin so that we could know God in this life and in the next. So the other thing to remember, when you're facing a gap and you're discouraged and you don't know how, it's gonna, uh, how the impossible is going to happen and what that's going to look like, remember, God shows up in the gap and he said, says things in the gap like, hey, I will never leave you and forsake you. You're going to wait, but you won't wait alone. I will be with you. He says things like, I will work all things for good. So he says, in the gap while you're waiting, good things are going to happen. I'm going to accomplish good things in you and through you. You just have to wait a little while longer. I'm actually kind of curious to see 2020 and 2021, how it unfolds, how we start to see as we clear this, all the good things that happened the last year or two. And then last thing he kind of said, another thing he says in the gap is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, listen, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you. So while you're waiting, while you're frustrated, while you're discouraged, know that you are stronger than you think you are and you have more grit than you ever imagined. So it's in the gap that God shows up. It's in the middle of what seems impossible that God shows up. And this is true for Abraham and Sarah as well. They have gotten older. They don't have an heir yet. They don't know how God's gonna build this nation. And here's what happens. 
the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to, uh, to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a, let, a, let, let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seeds of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried it and prepared it. He then brought some curds uh, and milk and the calf that had been prepared. He set, uh, set it before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah, they asked. They're in the tent. Then one of them said, all right, verse 10. I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening. <laughs> you bet she was, right? Near the entrance of the tent uh, that was behind them, Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Not cool, but it's the Bible, all right? Very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. And she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. Kind of last, interesting last verse. I did not laugh, but he said, yes, you did laugh, right? So, <laughs> right? You did laugh, right? So kind of funny read, but um, it starts with this peculiar story about the three visitors. Now, uh, I got into a pastoral kind of preaching vortex about the three visitors. And let me just rest assured, no one knows what the deal is with these guys, all right? There's three visitors, and I've heard everything from their, their representatives of God. In other words, they're angels. And, and I've heard that they are the embodiment of God himself, representing the Trinity. But most common, they really have no idea. But Abraham recognizes them as God. And again, you see Abraham's generosity again. This is not what the sermon is about, but we are seeing this resounding kind of teaching uh, in the book of Genesis demonstrating that Abraham was generous. So he sees this guy and uh, he's giving them water to wash their feet. He, they're baking bread. They're uh, killing uh, livestock to, to feed them. They're, they're, uh, he's being a generous person. And uh, I think a lot of you have this spiritual gift this spiritual gift called generosity or uh, hospitality. And it's a really great gift to have. And while it's true, it is a spiritual gift. It is something we should all aspire to do better, especially during this season. How can I be hospitable? How can I be generous with the people around me? And you know where I think it flowed from Abraham? I think it goes all the way back to Genesis 12. When God said, um, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go, and I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And the text says, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness, that he understood that God was the source of his blessing. So he said, I don't have to keep everything for myself. I don't have to be selfish in that way. God is my source, and God never runs dry. And so I would encourage you, and I would encourage myself to just remember this about God. He's the source of your blessing. Jesus is the source of your blessing. So it just opens your hands to be more generous and more graceful to the people around you when you believe he is your source. He is your savior, your provider, your helper, your giver. And when we remember that, generosity 
just flows. And God's generosity and blessing are made even more clear in this story. Now, until last Sunday, we had not seen Sarah specifically mentioned as part of God's promise yet. It had always been Abraham. So Sarah and Abraham were trying to kind of help God along with the promise. Remember, originally it was Lot, and then it was Eleazar, and now it's Ishmael. And they're trying to find, because they are old and well-advanced in years, they're trying to find out who is going to be the heir. And they just can't imagine. It seems impossible to them that Sarah would ever give birth to a son. But last Sunday, we saw in that story that Sarah is finally named, that she is going to be a part of this as well. And then it's reiterated in this story, at the age of 90, 90 years old, and I don't care what time in human history you were born, 90s aged to have a child, right? People are like, oh, they lived longer back then. Yeah, it's still old, right? Uh, to, to give birth to a child, right? To give birth to a child, to be clear, right? And what is her reaction to the impossible? She laughs. And believe it or not, laughter has been studied a lot by science. I found this interesting as I was studying for the sermon that there's actually five categories in which they kind of diagnose and look at laughter. The first one is the intensity of it. So when somebody's laughing, is it a chuckle, a giggle, a chortle? This is science, right? <laughs> a chortle, a cackle, a belly laugh, a sputtering burst. That's how my daughter laughs. It's like a little machine gun, right? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing coming at you the intensity of it. Uh, number two is the tone of it. Is it a snicker? Is it a guffaw? Is it a guffaw? What, what is it? Uh, third is the respiratory pattern that follows it. Is, are you a snorter? Are you a wheezer? Right. Uh, the, the fourth is the sequence of notes that it produces. Some people, it's almost like it's getting higher and higher pitched as they, as they sing. But the fifth one is, and this is the one we want to settle on, it's the emotion that accompanies the laugh. So is it a laugh of relief or joy or happiness or embarrassment? There, there's a laughter that comes with embarrassment, apology, uh, confusion. There's nervous laughter. Uh, there's paradoxical laughter. There's courtesy laughter. You guys do that every Sunday. Um, there's, there's evil laughter, right? The blah, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, there, there's a laughter that comes with evil intent. There's all these kinds of laughter. Did you know that there's a laughter that comes with doubt? When you first hear that's never going to happen or God could never do that or I just don't see how that could work out, there is a laughter that comes with doubt. And it's not, <laughs> it's not that kind of a laughter. It's a nervous kind of interior laughter that I just don't see how that's ever going to happen. It's a laughter that doubts his plan, his provision, his grace. Have you ever laughed at God before, like Sarah? Maybe it was the first time you walked into church. And you were, get, you were uh, far from God and you were just thinking about seeking him and seeking about, thinking about going after him and you received an invitation to a service and someone texted it to you or sent you an email or an evite or whatever and you were like, all right, I'm gonna check out church for the first time. And the friend that invited you, you made a comment like, I would not be the least bit surprised if lightning struck your church this Sunday. And then you all kind of, <laughs> you know, laughed. It's a laughter that comes with doubt. It's a doubt that God could ever accept someone like you. And what you need to know is that God sent his son Jesus for people like you and people like me and people like us so that he could save us and rescue us and show us his grace. So I would say to you, before you laugh, trust his grace. 
Maybe it was uh, the first time uh, that person in your family was seeking after God, and this person in your family, they have been a handful. They have been a handful. They have lied to you a bunch of times. They've stolen. They've been addicted. They've been very difficult to deal with. And when you first heard, you heard through another family member, you you heard they were seeking after God, and you just kind of chuckled, and here's what you said. I wonder what they're up to now. I wonder what they're up to now. And it's a laugh born out of a doubt that God could ever change them or redeem them or make them new. And what you need to remember is that God sent his Holy Spirit for that exact reason. God sent his Holy Spirit to change us and renew us and transform us. So trust his spirit. Maybe for you, it's what's going on in the world and you uh, sit down and watch the news. And again, this is not a belly laugh as you watch the news, but you watch the news and you see kind of moral decline or moral decay and you see what's going on in politics and you just kind of chuckle as you watch the news and you say, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. It just is. And you doubt his power that he could ever do anything in this land that he could ever change people, that he could ever transform people, and you've just seen too much news to believe that God can do anything in this situation, you doubt his power. Maybe for you, it's when you think about heaven. You know, there are a ton of pastor, preacher, heaven jokes for a reason, right? We tend to laugh a lot about about heaven. One of my favorites that someone forwarded me was a politician passed away. And instead of going to straight to heaven or straight to hell, the spirit appears to him and says, listen, we're going to take you on a tour of heaven and we're going to take you on a tour of hell and we're going to kind of let you choose. And so they go to heaven first and uh, there's big fluffy clouds, angels singing, playing harps. Everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. Uh, The politician is pleased, but honestly a little overwhelmed. This is not the way the Bible describes heaven as well, but for the purpose of a really old joke, it'll work, all right? Um, So he's underwhelmed. Uh, Then he gets to kind of visit hell, and he goes and visits hell, and it's like the most beautiful place this politician has ever ever seen. Everyone's having the time of their lives, beautiful golf courses, buffet table, uh, beautiful and delicious smelling food, a garden, a pool with water, and he kind of takes that tour, and he says, all right, now now it's time to choose. And he said, Matt, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I almost think I'd rather go to hell. The Spirit says, very well, turn around, and he turns around, and everything is completely different than it had been just a minute ago. All the attractions are gone, all the pools are gone, everything's on fire, and the people are just kind of screaming out in pain. And he says, wait, 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 I don't understand. This is not what you showed me before. And he says, well, that was the campaign, now you voted, Um, right? That was exactly what my friend told me was gonna happen with that joke. And, there's a lot of jokes about heaven because a lot of times when we think about heaven, we, again, it's not ha, ha, ha. It's a nervous laughter. Could God really save someone like me? Could God really give someone like me eternal life after everything I've done? And you forget that the purpose of a promise is to be secured by the promise giver, not the promise receiver. In other words, I make a promise to you. It is on me to fulfill that promise. And that's exactly what the gospel says, that God made promises to us about eternal life. And so he sent his son Jesus to the cross to forgive all of our sin and make us right with God in this life and in the next. Here's a better way of saying it. Your eternal life is not secured by your effort. Your eternal life is secured by the effort of Jesus and his work and his grace. So trust his work. I'll tell you our laughter moment. 
Our, our laughter moment happened. Sam was about four years old uh, or, or so, and um, Cheryl's mom had passed away not, not a, a ton long before this story happened, but during that period of time, we had really seen the value of family. We had appreciated our family walking through that. Uh, we had loved our family walking through that. We had seen the value and purpose a family, and we were sitting, uh, standing in the kitchen. Cheryl was working on dinner, which was probably not the time to have this conversation, but we were just kind of standing there, and I just kind of said, I think God might be calling us to adopt again. And she turned around, and I turned and I looked at her, and we laughed. <laughs> not ha-ha laughter, but how could we, how could it, how could it work out? And in November 2017, we brought our daughter home. The joke was on us, right? <laughs> we had to learn to trust God and the power of his provision. So Sarah gets word from God that within the next year, she'll give birth to a son at the age of 90. And she laughs nervously. She laughs, how could I, how could it, how could it be? How is it even possible, laugh? And you would too, and I would too. We do this all of the time, but let me tell you how the laughter stops. Let me tell you, as you think about laughing at God and at his promises, this is the line in the text that kills all laughter. This is when the laughter stops, all right? And it was this line from God uh, to Abraham, and here it is on the screen for you. Is anything too hard for God? Laughter stops. Is anything too hard for God? As you consider what he has promised you, offered you, and called you to, is anything too hard for him? Is reconciliation too hard for God? Is healing too hard for God? Is child rearing too hard for God? Is marriage too hard for God? Is calling too hard for God? Is salvation too hard for God? Is there anything that is too hard for him? It was like, man, 2020, that's gotten out of my control. Just like, no. Right? Nothing's too hard for God. He is free to work. He is free to move. He is powerful to do so, and we are called to trust in him. So I wonder what would happen if we laughed a little less and believed a little more. What would happen uh, with our, uh, of our view of this world if we began to believe nothing is too impossible for God? All things are possible with God. What would happen in our family and in our relationships and in our work life and in our career and all of that stuff? What would happen in our view of our world if we just laughed less and believed more? As we saw the state of the world, as we saw the state of the family member, as we saw the state of our family, and we just kind of quietly said to ourselves, is anything too hard for my God? Absolutely not. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust. I'm going to allow him to use me. I'm going to allow him to work with me. And I am just, I'm not going to freak out. I am just going to, in my calm, ask myself that question every day. Is anything too hard for God? And I'm just going to believe. I'm going to believe his grace. I'm going to believe his calling. I'm going to believe his provision. I'm going to believe him. And in these dog days of winter, where all we want is a little bit of light, we want this pandemic to be over, we want life is back to, to be back as usual, we want a lot of things. I just came to ask you this question, is anything too hard for God? And that we would renew our faith in him. We would renew our belief in him. We would renew our trust in him. And we would not love everything that's going on in our family, not everything that's going on in the world, not everything that's going on anywhere. We wouldn't love it, but we would trust him. And our laughter 
would turn to faith. That our laughter would turn to faith. That when you begin to see that family member dabble with God a little bit and, and begin to seek him a little bit, instead of saying, what is he up to now? We would say, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? When you begin to think about seeking after God for the very first time and, and online, you're thinking about visiting church maybe for the first time. And instead of going, man, I believe lightning's gonna strike that church when I walk in. Instead, you would say, man, is anything too hard for God? His grace is sufficient. His love is sufficient. And I'm ready to show up. As you think about what's going on in your job and what God is calling you to next, instead of kind of laughing, there's no way I could ever get out of this situation. Is anything too hard for God? And that we would laugh a little less and trust a little bit more. Because this is what God has demonstrated to us again and again and again, is that his power is enough, his grace is sufficient, and he always has a plan. Let's receive communion together. This is that moment in human history where, is anything too hard for God? The sin of the world, the sin of the entire world, is that too hard for God? He said, absolutely not. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. And this is our chance to, re to remind ourselves and to remember that there isn't anything that's too hard for him. All things are possible, that he is a God of power and grace and plan and purpose. And so we just need to trust in him. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us. And I'm going to leave a little bit of time of quiet for you to just spend time with God and whatever impossible circumstance you're looking at today. During this time of communion, I want you to remember that nothing's too hard for him. I want you to give him that situation. Say, God, I trust you. Just give it to him this morning. God, I trust you and leave it with him this morning. Say, you use me however you want to use, but I'm not going to laugh at you anymore, God. I'm not laughing. I'm trusting. Uh, and uh, just leave a little bit of time of quiet for you to do business with God, and then we'll receive communion all together as a church family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, nothing is too hard for you. And so that's hard to remember um, when we feel like you're calling us to something that just seems impossible. But you love the impossible. You've been dealing in the impossible for years and years and years. So as um, we're uh, looking at what's going on in our world or what's going on in our family, what's going on with what you've called us to, my prayer is that we would remember that you love the impossible and you love to work in it and that we wouldn't laugh, we would trust. All these prayers and requests, Lord, we lift up to you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. His body given for you. His blood poured out. Is anything too hard for God? I think not. So renew your hope. Renew your hope in him. Renew your trust in him. Allow him to lead. Trust his timing. Trust his provision. And trust uh, his grace. And as we're going to see the story unfold, um, we're going to revisit kind of Sodom and Gomorrah and that whole story uh, next week as we're going to kind of test God's goodness and explore God's goodness in a really difficult story right before we see the ultimate kind of promise uh, come fulfilled uh, through the birth of Isaac, uh, we, will, we will see the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, how even in a, a story of judgment, uh, we see God and his grace and his goodness. So, hey, glad you guys were here today. 
Uh, we got some decent warm weather today, which was fantastic. So it's good to see all of you. Uh, God bless. Have a great week. And uh, uh, nothing's too hard for God. Have a good week.